0: Hi, you guys. I'm Kat, and I hope you come hang out with me on Cat Sadler Now. On my weekly podcast, I continue to ask the questions. I've been interviewing people for more than 25 years now, but that doesn't mean I've found all the answers. Make sure to listen to Cat Sadler Now wherever you get your podcasts. I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Today, we are talking to Malika Starnes. Malika is an intentional business strategist, certified life and success coach, retired wedding planner, podcast host, and Beyonce fangirl. She brings order to creative chaos for service-based entrepreneurs who run to run more intentional and streamlined businesses through refined processes malika is also identifies as an enneagram type one and she is one of my favorite humans on the planet and one of my favorite type ones to interview so i am so pumped that she's here let's meet malika hey malika welcome to the show
1: hi sarah jane thank you so much for having me i am so excited and thrilled to be here
0: I am so pumped that you're here. So as you know, we start every episode with a rosebud and thorn. So what is your rosebud and thorn today? Yes. Oh my gosh. This is so much fun. I love this. Um, I actually prepared
1: them beforehand in true Enneagram one fashion. Um, So my rose is definitely my brand new um, website launching and my new business. That is something that I'm just super pumped and excited about. Um, It has definitely been a long time coming, especially having closed the business previously, and reopening um, in this fresh new way. So I'm so thrilled and excited about that. Um, My bud, which I am truly, truly looking forward to, is being able to go on vacation. I have no idea when in the world it's going to be, but it's going to be soon because I am losing it in my house. (laughs) With my husband, I just am like, we need ocean in real life. Like I'm not listening to any more ocean waves on an app. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then I think that my thorn would definitely be missing my family and my really close friends. We definitely have really hunkered down on social distancing and like, you know, especially after the holidays passing and not getting to be around some of my favorite people, that's definitely a thorn for me right now. You know, I miss them and FaceTime's great, but there's just nothing like giving someone a hug or like taking a nap on their couch. It's just like, I don't know. I miss, I miss my family. Uh, so that's definitely a thorn for me right now.
0: Yeah. We're in the same boat. Like we've been so social distanced that I, it's almost become normal, but I also am just like ready to, to like hug somebody who's not yes. my husband.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Or my dogs.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. well, I love that. So um, you, I know, you know, you started in wedding planning and that's how I met you. I met you were, you were um, planning an event that I was working at. And then you were killing it, right? Like in that perfect, like one magic zone. And now you've kind of pivoted and you found this other area of of magic for your oneness. Can you tell us a little bit about what your new business is like?
1: Yes, definitely. So
0: I first want to say
1: that, you know, the great thing about the Enneagram and just having it as an opportunity to figure out my strengths And the things that are true, like gifts, has been so helpful in trying to navigate pivoting after closing the business. It's been like a huge impact Mm -hmm. on that decision-making process. But as you mentioned, I started my wedding planning business back in 2016, and then we opened our first wedding venue location in 2018. And then we moved forward with opening a second venue location on literally March the 1st of 2020. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Absolute crazy town. It was just so, you know, really the hardest thing I have ever done was trying to navigate the decision-making process of all that. And I'm sure you can imagine being a one, there's all this inner dialogue happening, right? Like, I'm thinking I'm a Mm -hmm. failure, I'm feeling like I've let so many people down, and there's this narrative going on during that time of, like, what is the right thing to do? And there were so many rights and wrongs. There was like, what's right for the client? What's wrong for my family? What's right for, you know, all of these different moving parts? And so it was it was such a challenge, but we navigated that difficult decision to close those businesses in a way that was really, really reflective. And like, this is what is going to serve us best as a family and as two human beings that still have to, you know, navigate life after this. And so... As soon as it was over, because I, you know, can't sit still, I can't just be not doing anything, I'm like, all right, what's next? You know, that's like my coping mechanism, you know, it's like figuring out something else to do. And so I said, you know what, these last five years in business, I have learned so much And I just decided that I was going to become a business coach and share all of the different things that I had learned throughout these last five years of being in a service-based, event industry-based business. And towards, I would say, maybe the last three to four months as I was just getting more intentional, reflecting, and really just kind of dissecting this whole thing and thinking, I don't want to just have another business. I want to do something I love. I want to be aligned with my strengths and my gifts and what I'm passionate about. And so you know, thanks to the Enneagram and some other tools out there and just leaning into being more intentional and reflective, I really landed on this common thread, which was helping bring order to chaos, streamlining processes. It was like this huge epiphany that I had where I'm like, oh my God, this whole time I've just been streamlining processes for brides. It's the same thing. You know, you kind of have this huge shift of realizing how you really show up in the world. And so I currently, as an intentional business strategist and certified life and success coach, help entrepreneurs to be able to streamline their business and their processes in a way that allows them to really enjoy their success and to really create sustainable success. You know, I I really wanted to put a heavy emphasis on helping entrepreneurs get out of some of those dark and ugly parts of my entrepreneurial journey, which really stemmed from being so successful, but seriously burnt out. And no one knew I was like suffering in silence. And so this new brand is like a calling out of that and like pulling some of that stuff kind of out of the shadows and being like, hey, I can I can streamline this for you. We can put some Enneagram one energy on it and get it organized. And then you can really enjoy this thing that you've built.
0: Amazing. I think sometimes as business owners, we don't realize how actually just like taking the time up front to create systems that we can kind of play inside of will make our business more fun. Like I think we think that sounds like, oh, this is hard work. This is difficult, but it actually makes it easier in the long run.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I was always constantly going so fast in my business. You know, when we first started, we completely grew almost immediately because all of the vendors from my weddings were referring me to their clients. And I had just got married. And so things were just moving so quickly. And I think that systems and operations and processes feel so scary to entrepreneurs because it feels like this like call to action that you need to slow down. And it's like, wait, I don't want to do that. I can't do that because I need to move the needle forward and drive revenue. And it sounds like it's something that we like can't do. I think it starts to feel impossible almost. And so, you know, slowing down essentially is what really helps us to to get ahead. And I think that is where I really landed on this, you know, intentional approach to doing things because it's not just about like, let's put Band-Aids on it. Let's fix these systems. Let's, you know fix some things and then you'll go on your way and need me in a couple of months. I really wanted to get to, you know, the mindset behind being intentional when we create these systems so that they really work for you going forward. And like you said, business can be fun. Now you can have a Mm -hmm. and enjoy doing, you know, what you really love to do.
0: Yeah. And I kind of want to go back a little bit um, to early, at the beginning of kind of where we started this question where, you're starting a venue, a wedding venue in March of 2020, and the unspeakable happens. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious, like, what's your inner critic saying to you in this moment? Um, You know, what? what's that kind of inner conversation coming in? And also, like, I'm curious – I know you've done a ton of personal growth work around the Enneagram. So like before you knew you were an Enneagram type one, kind of what do you think that inner dialogue would have looked like before versus kind of now as you've grown? Ooh, that's so good. Yeah, I first
1: want to call out that my inner critic just completely did exactly that. It criticized me from the inside. It was the most internal dialogue I think that I have ever experienced because there were just so many different factors in my mind that, like I said, were just right and wrong. And I think a lot of times with Enneagrams, one, we have these black and white, there's no gray, there's no in between. And so for me, it was the most challenging season of like, what even is the right thing to do? And and having to be in that seat where It was completely my decision. Um, You know, I think also as an Enneagram one, I tend to really lean on others to kind of create these right and wrongs. And then I can kind of point the finger, right? Like, oh, well, that's wrong. We can't do that. And I kind of get to set the parameters of like what is right and wrong. So having it be like, no, this is your baby. This is your business. You started it. What do you want to do? Mm -hmm. It was just so hard. And I think that... You know, our inner critic oftentimes can be something that drives us forward to make really hard decisions in a way that is aligned with what we truly want when we are intentional. And so I think, you know, before the Enneagram, you've got this voice inside and you don't really know where it comes from. And it's just telling you that you suck and you failed and you made a horrible mistake. And then I think after the Enneagram, you have this question that's presented to you of, okay, you're saying that I failed. How so? And then you kind of have this invitation, like, let's let's have a conversation about this because now you have this like inner critic identified almost as like a separate part of yourself that you can kind of navigate a conversation with. And so I think that honestly, after, you know, which so grateful that I had the Enneagram before all this, because I was able to really call out like, what, what do you want? What is right to you? is it true that you're a failure? Like before the Enneagram, I didn't even, I'm like, who am I talking to? Like, I'm clearly, this. Is, these are my thoughts. This is what I think. And so the Enneagram really has allowed me to detach from those thoughts and that I am not my thoughts. Those things are not true. And so I think that it really kind of presented this opportunity to separate the two things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it just helped me tremendously to be able to have so much compassion with myself i think i really was met with at one point this like fork in the road it's like okay this decision is going to cause a lot of pain and suffering and it's going to hurt some people um but on the other side of that you are going to still have the character and the loving and kindness and like gracious human being that people have always known you to be, and that's not attached to this building that's getting ready to shut down. And I just think that without some of the tools that the Enneagram has provided me with, I don't think I would have been able to like separate the two things. I would have only been able to see them as one.
0: Hmm. I think it's so interesting too, because it is a situation that is completely gray. Yeah. Like, and I think it's kind of like you're being forced into a situation where you have to navigate an area of life that is particularly difficult for your kind of worldview or your you know your assumed worldview,
1: yes, definitely, and it's so funny because, of course, with everything that happened in 2020, like you said, it's like the unexpected. Is gray until you like look internally and make a decision of how you're going to like be at cause moving forward, you know? And so it was just this it was just a big old 12 months of nothing but gray, which is craziness for any gram one. It was like, what is happening? What am I supposed to do, you know? But I'm so grateful for the like internal just reflection that came of it, and I really feel like I was able to really identify what I believe myself to be um, so differently, you know, through that. It was just definitely one of the hardest times. But, you know, I really feel afterwards looking back that I really was able to kind of step into some like life lessons and nuggets and gems that I'll just never, ever be able to, you know, replace. And I'm so thankful for them
0: yeah I you said a sentence that I really want you to expand on for me you said until you look inside and just des- or you look inside and decide how you're going to be at cause moving forward yeah can we dissect that a little bit yeah tell me what tell me what that <laughs> means to you
1: yeah I really think that. When we're looking externally, we're looking at all the things that are going on around and outside of us, we feel so helpless and just so out of control. And I know for Enneagram ones, that is a huge, you know, kind of uh, characteristic, right? We, we like to be in control of things. We like to be responsible for the things that are given to us. We like to follow the rules and we want to be, you know, in control and responsible of those and I think that when we lean on what's happening outside of us, we just feel this total loss of control. And I know at least for me, that is something that I struggled with greatly in the earlier parts of kind of discovering that I'm an Enneagram one of just like this this control that I have to let go of if I'm going to truly be able to, you know, enjoy my life and like live my life for myself. And so I think that it's something so liberating and freeing for me as a one to think about. I actually am only responsible for myself and what is inside of me and what I possess on the inside is the one thing that I do have control over. You know, how I speak to myself, how I speak to others, these are all things that are coming from an internal source. And so having that realization of like, I am always at cause, and responsible for myself, it's almost this huge shift that happens where you go from feeling like you don't have control over anything to now I have control over the one thing that truly is going to like matter. But also – I only have control over one thing. And for a one, that is such a huge relief because you thought you had control over a million things and that was really stressful because that was like a lot of things to be responsible for. And so I think just looking internally and deciding you know, I'm at cause for my own life, for the way I show up in the world, for the way I treat others, for the way I speak to others, and nothing else was just liberating. It's like, okay, this is kind of nice. I actually don't need to be worried about everybody else because I only need to worry about myself. You know, it's it's just this freeing moment of feeling that you are in control of only yourself. Um, and and being at cause for your own life and being able to like move forward in a way that you are going to be empowered by instead of really victimized by all of this outside and external circumstances.
0: Mm. I mean, I think you said the word, like when you were talking about it, I kept thinking like liberating. Like it does mm. feel like here's what you need to, this is like all you have to focus on. Because I think about one of the big struggles that I know of a lot of type ones is you kind of naturally overfunction, and there's just always something to be improved, always some way to grow, and always something that can be fixed. And when you have this like this much energy and attention to detail, then you know when does it stop? And I can imagine that could feel like it could go on and on and on and on. Definitely, it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. I think
1: it's so tiring, you know. And I remember before the enneagram. I had like I don't even remember what was going on in my life at the time but I remember not being able to put the word on just how exhausted I was and it and I couldn't like put my finger on it because you know I was so young and I'm like oh, I shouldn't be this tired I think I probably blamed it on like you know age like there's no reason I should be this exhausted at this age but you know, when you think about coming from this place where you are always feeling like you're responsible for everything and everyone and you have to make it right, you have to complete everything on your to-do list and everything around you can be improved and made better and viewing things and seeing things in your life of of just constantly seeing them in this state of like they can be improved upon, having that as both. A strength that other people come to you for, but also as this like weakness that just makes you so tired because you're doing it all the time and you don't know how to turn it off um, because you kind of don't even know that it's there. And I just remember when I, you know, I've told this story quite a few times uh, in our discussions, but I've cried when I read the description of the Enneagram one because I felt like someone saw me And I think that I remember that being like the first time that I really could kind of look back and identify where that exhaustion came from all the time. It Mm was not even all the stuff I was doing. It was just being so tired from always feeling like there was something for me to fix or do or take over or be responsible for. And so just having a moment of even being able to call that a name and identify it in itself is just a
0: relief. Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting to watching from the outside. Um, You know, I interact with so many people of different types and one of the things that kind of, um, I I think saying breaks my heart is a pretty strong statement, but more so just like my heart goes out to you. I feel compassion for ones because in this state of exhaustion, sometimes I think they, there's almost a pull to, and I don't hear you do this in our, you know, in our talk conversation. So um, I'm I'm interested to hear what you think about this. But almost a pull for other people to function at such a high level instead of kind of the compassion for self to not have to function at such a high level.
1: Yes, no, I I definitely agree with that. And I think that it's such a weird thing because I think that when you're one. And this has been my personal experience, but it's just something that other people I have felt in the past will never, like, know or see. Like, it is very – I think from the outside looking at it, it's like, Malika loves helping with problems, you know? Malika loves fixing things. I'm going to call her, like, she is a fixer. That's what she does, you know? Or – she's always achieving things and like doing the next level. And just, I think there is this like external view and perspective of this kind of like high functioning individual. And I just think it's this internal struggle that a lot of times ones I think wish that other people will see. And I know that we, um, you know, in like your book and just in a lot of different resources, it talks about the one struggling with things like anger and resentment And I think it comes from that sometimes of just not feeling seen and feeling very like, why don't you know that you should not ask me to help with this birthday party when I am so busy and exhausted and tired and feeling this frustration inside that no one really sees how much you do or are doing? But I do think that there's such an opportunity in like setting boundaries and like speaking up and becoming aware of some of the things that the Enneagram has really pulled out of me that have freed me from some of those times of just thinking like nobody gets it. I'm the only one who wants to do things right. I'm the only person who people lean on. You know, it gets Mm -hmm. you out of kind of this negative space and it shows you that not only do you have an opportunity to express to people that this is not something that you know, fills you up and it is pretty draining for you and setting those boundaries. But it also gives you permission to like say that to yourself. Like this is something that I'm really good at and I'm willing to do because I love to do it. And I've now seen it as a strength in myself, or this is something that I do all the time naturally. And so I do not want to have to do it right now for you on purpose, (laughs) you know, like it, and it just becomes This, you know, thing that I think, like I said, that it's like an internal um, just kind of struggle that that I think is something that I've really resonated with throughout the course of the Enneagram, but totally agree with you. You know, there's just this like high achieving, high functioning individual, and there's all this stuff going on on the inside.
0: Yeah, I mean honestly that sounds lonely.
1: Yes, it is. And I think that one of the saddest things um at which I know you said like breaks my heart is like really strong, but I think for me too the flip side of that coin is when you want people to have these higher standards and to kind of raise the bar in their own lives, people you love and you care about, you want to see them function at higher levels. I think that it also comes off as very critical for ones Um, and I think that is one of the things that I have seen just in my own life that kind of had that like, ooh, that hurts, you know, hearing that people that I really love think that maybe I'm being overly critical or too hard on them. And I think that once genuinely like that's it's kind of like the opposite of what we just talked about, right? Like, I I'm, you don't see how tiring it is for me to be wanting all these better things for you. But then on the, the flip coin of that, it's like, I wish you could see that, you know, I just want better for you and not trying to criticize you and hurt you. So, you know, I think it definitely goes both ways when it comes to just wanting the best out of others uh, and and where that's really coming from.
0: Yeah, it seems like almost... You're seeing the potential, it's like you're not seeing the the what's wrong with them, but more so you're seeing what's good about them and how un you like how untapped in that is,
1: yes, and truly wanting people to have a better experience, you know I know for me that has been something that's got me in trouble so many different times, just in different scenarios in my life, but You know, I think it's so hurtful all the time because you're like, how could this person not know that I just want them to have a better experience in their life? You know, what did I say wrong? What was the wrong thing? And it's taken me a long time to realize, you know, that there are certain boundaries that we really have to hold and keep in place in order for people to have their own experience. And I think once once forget that. We forget that we can rob people of their own experiences that are going to help them become the best version of themselves Aha, uh-huh, light bulb, because we're trying to do it for them. And it's like, no, you have to kind of let this person go through things and experience things so that they can get to that pivotal moment in their own lives and become the best version of themselves. And I think, you know, <laughs> those are that's still on my list of things I'm working on, Sarah Jane. <laughs> I,
0: mean, I, I relate. I, I'm not a type one, but I relate. I think you know it's a pretty common thing because And I think we all do it in our own unique ways. All the nine types kind of do this, right? We have our own standard for what we think the right way to be is. You know, I'm like quick to take action, think positive. And I just assume everybody else wants to do that too. Yeah. And so it kind of is first nature to kind of want to push them in that direction, like reframe their thoughts for them. And and I think that ones kind of get the rap for doing that, but I think we all do it. You know, nines want everyone else to be, like chiller than they are, you know? <laughs> like we all have ways we have expectations of other people. Um and and I but I do obviously I think ones like it's more of a, more of a, a type pattern thing with our type ones. But yeah, I think we all do it. I think it's relatable. Yeah,
1: definitely. And I do think that they're you know, it's like how do I how do I love on people? What does that look like for me as a person? And I think that does look different for everyone, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for ones, it's like I can show up for you and I can help, especially and I will add too, with me having that two wing in there, I also wanna help people, you know, do that, um, and accomplish those things. And so yeah, I think it definitely has a lot to do with, you know, how you View and interpret like caring for others. And I think a lot of times, for once, it's like, well, surely if I cared about this person, I would not just let them fall on their face and make this mistake. That would be horrible. I would be such a bad person if I let this person experience this and I knew and I should have told them. And it's like, you know, at what point are you just actually robbing them of the opportunity to learn for themselves and get what they needed out of a certain experience,
0: you know? Yeah. I mean, Malia, I, every time I hear you talk about being a one, I hear this like really beautiful dance between growth and like kind of living into that growth edge of like not, um, over identifying with being a type one, right? Like you're not like, I am this way. I am the way I am. I will always be this way, right? You're always looking for ways to improve. But then at the same time, like, I really hear some gratitude for the type structure in your life and what it offers you. And I think that's a hard thing to navigate, the the tension between those two things.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think that comes from when I was introduced to the Enneagram, there was just kind of this mental picture of things that I really disliked about myself. You know, I just I had spent a lot of time in my life being like embarrassed that I was such a rule follower, you know, and like being like the party pooper growing up or just, you know, being overly critical. Things that I was very ashamed of, I think that the Enneagram reframed those characteristics for me as strengths and I, you know, can't name the specific resources, but there were a lot of resources out there that kind of mirrored those strengths and weaknesses against one another in a way that helped me see them as both. Whereas the whole time I had just been like, oh my gosh, I, I hate that I'm such a rule follower. you know. And I think it just helped me to see my role and how I show up in the lives of people that I really care about and the things that I bring to the table. And I think that we all have the opportunity when we are looking at you know, things like the Enneagram and we're looking at How can this help me? And how can this be a tool that helps me grow? I think it is how can I have a moment of compassion? with myself and see these as really beautiful things about myself that maybe I didn't like in the past, or maybe there's things on this list that I really loved about myself. And now that I see them here as a part of my type and how they can negatively impact others, instead of this like self-shaming and like, this feels really awful. And I feel so terrible that I've always been like this. It's like, okay, now that I have this information, I'm a very, I love to be informed. I love to have, you know, all the details. And so for me, and I'm imagining this is because I am a type one, I was like, you know, this is so great. Now that I know these things, I just felt refreshed to be like, I know this. Now I can like show up this much better because now I have this information. I have the tools, Um, you know, and I think you're exactly right. For me, it is a dance 100% of, you know, going between the things that I was taught and how I was raised and also, how I use these different tools of self-awareness to grow into like my full self, uh, every day. It's definitely a dance between like, you know, and sometimes it is hard because sometimes I see myself doing stuff and I'm like, you're being real type one right now. Or I've even said to my husband, I'm like, okay, I'm about to say some real type one stuff, but I'm about to tell you something. Give me a little, you know? <laughs> like, and so I just think that having the awareness is what has contributed to that that kind of dance between like growth and seeing some of that harder stuff and deciding that, again, going back to like being at cause, this is either something I can feel really embarrassed and ashamed and self-critical about, or this is something that I can note that this is here and that, you know, this is something about my personality and I have a decision that I need to make now.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that's like, that sums up what I hope people's Enneagram journey will be. Like I think it can be so used for a tool for self-shaming and it can also be used for this tool of, you know, self-aggrandizing where we are like, I've always been this way. I'll always be this way. I'm going to stay this way. Um, And I think that balance, that tension and that dance is so important because um, we're, we're owning what we're bringing to the table, right? We're not making other people responsible for our behavior and at the same time, like nothing good has ever come out of self-hatred, right? So that is, yeah, you just described perfectly what I hope we would, not to use the word perfect, you've described excellently. I <laughs> learned that from you. wonderfully. yes. yes. <laughs> um, that, yeah, just the, the dance that we need to do with the Enneagram, it's beautiful. Well, thank you. I'm so glad to hear that. And I, I'm such
1: an, like, nerd about it. Like, I just want to talk about it all the time. And I'm always, you know, sharing about it. And I just think that for me, I don't know, I think it's just going to be different for everyone. And of course, you know, like you said, you have these different paths that you can take. But when we look at the Enneagram through the lens of self-compassion, we could all use a lot more compassion. Like, I think we are all wanting someone in our lives to be more compassionate to us. Maybe we want our boss to have a little bit more compassion and understanding our partners, our, you know, families. There's someone that you are wanting more compassion from and understanding from at all these different points in your life. And I just think that for me, the Enneagram was an invitation to have that with myself. And I think that, you know, it's it's just been so helpful for me in that way. And it's not like coming from someone else, you know, it's something that I was able to kind of like nerd out on and dig deep on my own. And so it's kind of like my own little, I don't know, my own little self-awareness journey. And I, it's, it's really special to me. You know, it's the first time I was able to kind of look at myself uh, and some of, like I said, those uglier parts and darker parts that I in the past just wanted so badly to just change and fix and not do anymore and recognize them as opportunities and and how can I get curious, you know, about this. And it's so funny because I also am big into therapy and I, I think mental health is incredibly important and sometimes when I'm talking to my therapist, she will say things to me, like she'll say, you know, well, when did you decide that, you know, there was only one right way to do things? And we don't talk about the Enneagram, but in my heart and in my head, when she says things like that, I just, I have this immediate compassion response because Mm -hmm. I know where that comes from, right? And so I get to kind of like dig deeper, I think, even with that experience of just like, Now that I know these things about myself, it's not, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's not a shock, but some of the things we talk about in therapy, sometimes I like laugh a little bit more and I have Mm -hmm. a little bit more fun with it. And it feels a little bit more like, yes, let's dig deep on this because where did I even start doing this? You know, it kind of Mm -hmm. makes it a more just freeing experience. I'm not finding out for the first time that, you know, I tend to see things in black and white or right and wrong. So it's, it's also just been, you know, an open door for me to have this, like, gateway into more
0: self-exploration and other mediums. Yeah. Oh, that's gorgeous. Um, I am having a hard time because I want to do this forever. Um, but I want to – I could, like, talk to you about being an Enneagram One forever. Um, I do want to make sure that we talk about your VIP day because it does have big Enneagram One energy. And um, so can you tell us a little bit more about this big thing you have coming up.
1: Absolutely. So on my new website, I have a VIP day offer that I'm so excited about. And it is all about refining processes for entrepreneurs and creative service-based business owners. And so what we do on the VIP day is I send you over some pre-homework and we really just kind of tear everything apart and we look at the process in your business that is causing you the most overwhelm. And I use my Enneagram One Virgo Vibes or organization. organization, tidy, all the things, and we refine it. We go in and we intentionally redesign your workflow in a way that feels more aligned with you and in a way that allows you to really enjoy your success and kind of have this nice Refinement process that allows you to go back um, to the foundation of why you started your business in the first place. And one of the things that I love about it is because number one, it allows me to do what I love the most, which is like organizing and tidying things up. But number two, the framework that I have and that I use on the VIP day. We're going back. We're not just saying throw this whole thing away. Let's start over because that's what really overwhelms business owners. That's what causes them the fear to never even approach and go back to their systems on their own. I think that's where we start to feel the most fear and mindset issues kind of come up around systems and processes. So we actually look at what you already have. And that's why it's all about refinement. We're really isolating a process and we are spending a five-hour day together, going in and redesigning it in a way that feels good. So you leave with this shiny, um, refined process. I don't like to say shiny new process because we don't necessarily scrap everything, but we eliminate, automate, and delegate, and we get rid of the things that are no longer serving you so you can you know, show up better in your business. And it's so much fun. I can't wait until all of this is over so I can start doing it in like beautiful Airbnbs instead of on Zoom. But- it's so much fun. I'm so excited about it.
0: Yeah. I think we all need like an Enneagram one eyes on our, on our stuff. Um, especially things we've looked at for too long, right? Like you just need like not only another set of eyes, but some that are like, yeah, re- refining is what I do. Let me come in. let me check this out. I think that's awesome. Um, let's, are you ready for a rapid fire question? Yes, let's do it. Okay. All right. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the first book that comes to mind, um, Think Like a Monk, mm-hmm. Ajay Sherry. Your favorite song? Oh, my favorite song is
1: Valerie by Amy Winehouse. Mm, good one. Something
0: you wish people knew about you?
1: Uh, I wish people knew that I care a whole, whole lot and I'm not trying to be overly critical and annoying. I just want you to have a great day in life and everything else. <laughs> That's
0: <was> so good. <laughs> all, the other, all the Enneagram ones say amen. <laughs> dream day what are you doing oh
1: girl i'm hanging out with beyonce and my dogs and my husband uh near the ocean
0: oh that's perfect <laughs> final meal what are you eating oh like i can't eat anything else like it's your last meal <laughs> Like this is the end you know oh, you get to cook. oh it's so difficult probably shrimp alfredo and like bread mm-hmm. lots of carbs and pasta <laughs> yeah, dip in that bread and that alfredo. Yes. Are you getting bread sticks are you getting bread rolls, bread, sliced bread, sticks? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um and, um finally your food for thought, what's something that people can leave today just kind of thinking about?
1: My food for thought today is to take some time, especially to my Enneagram ones, this is food for thought for them specifically, I think. Everyone can use this, but for them specifically, to really lean into how intention is permission for you to be able to do what you want without having all of these shoulds and these external expectations and being sorry and just really sitting down thinking of what are your intentions? How do you want to have a more intentional life, a more intentional business, be more intentional with your family and the people that you show up for every day? And how can intention be more than this like arbitrary word that we just throw around as like our word for the year? And as ones and just as human beings, how can we use intention to be the permission slip that we need to live life on our own terms and to stop doing what is no longer serving us. And so that's, that's my food for thought. How can you have some intention and, and show up differently in a way that brings you joy and just makes you feel good?
0: Love that. It's like bringing that one energy over with you to that seven line. You get to like hang out with both of them at the same time.
1: I know. We need to hang out all the time, Sarah Jane. I just need you in my life all the time.
0: You know I'm trying to make – you know that's what I'm trying to do. (laughs) Like this is (laughs) – actively really? part of my plot oh, i
1: love it i was so excited to chat with you today and thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it and i'm so thankful for everything that you do and again i can just never tell you you know how beautiful the work that you do is and how healing it is so
0: thank you i feel the same thank you so much for joining me and you're just such like a bright light in your words i feel like you just articulate things so incredibly. Um I do want to make sure that people find you on the internet. So where can they find you online? I know you have a podcast, and you have Instagram. Oh, where would yes. you like them to hang out? Thank you. Yes, you can hang out with me over on malikastarns.com.
1: You can find me on Instagram at malika.starns. So just my first period last name and if you would like to listen to me speak into the microphone more often then you can head over to the musings and um sorry musings with malika podcast which is available on itunes and spotify
0: thank you so much malika this was an absolute dream to talk to you and i know it's going to be so helpful for everyone listening thank you